Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Texas Rangers have won the franchise's first World Series championship. Also, the Raiders hit the reset button halfway through the season, and the world of sports lost a legend. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Diamondback pitcher Zach Gallen had a no-hitter in the seventh inning. No team had ever won a World Series game after being no-hit and shut out through six innings. And frankly, this game was at Chase Field in Phoenix. No team had ever won 11 road games to win a World Series title until we saw the Texas Rangers do it. They break up the no-hitter in the seventh. They hang four extra insurance runs in the ninth inning. And for the first time in franchise history, over 60 years, the Texas Rangers our World Series champions. Bryce Patrick from Locked On Rangers joins me now. And I will say it again, Bryce, the Texas Rangers are World Series champions in one of the most improbable runs we have seen in a while. This team lost 94 games last year. What is going to be your lasting memory from this run? Well, I, I don't know, because my my memories have all blended together. I'm still not entirely sure this is real. I'm still not entirely <laughs> sure that I am not just uh, dreaming all this and mm. that I didn't like fall into a coma before game seven against the Astros. <laughs> I'm still not entirely sure. In about a month, I'll maybe be sure that I'm actually alive. This really did happen. But for right now, just seeing that rounding the bases moment for Marcus Simeon adding on the insurance home run in the ninth inning. I mean, once this team got the first hit, I mean, I woke up this morning and I thought, this is it. This is the day. This is happening today. I felt it. I got myself some kolaches. I'm like, this is the day. This is happening for the Texas Rangers. Nathan Evaldi's on the hill. He's not going to have another bad game. And he didn't. He didn't. I mean, this team is just, I mean, for a team that was very stoic, very unemotional, to see the personality that's come out of them in the last like week or so in this World Series, talking about Jake mm. McGrom pulling pranks, Adolis Garcia giving an emotional speech to the hitters before yesterday's game after he was done for the season, and them talking about the reason for their incredible road winning streak is, I don't know, we're all fat boys, we eat a bunch of hot dogs before the road games. And, and that's like, that's it. Like <laughs> this team that has been so cold and calculated and, and very reserved has kind of come out of their shell in the world series. And to see that and to see them have this success is just, it's unbelievable, man of, of the many billion things that I love about this. I think that might be the part that will stick with me the most that I will love the most is, is their love of hot dogs and creed and all things, uh, their own personality coming out right at the very end of the season. It is amazing how often we hear from championships teams about what they think was the key and vibes or some version of vibes is really what it comes down to. And the vibes on this team for the last, what, six straight losing seasons were not great. The bullpen during this regular season run, not great. And then something changed in the playoffs. What do, what do, you, what do you attribute the the turnaround to this this team in so many different ways once the games became win or go home. Uh, I have to credit to uh, Austin Hedges' backside because apparently before every single game, they would write the magic number of wins they needed, allegedly, allegedly, 
the number of wins they needed to win a World Series on backup catcher Austin Hedges' backside. And they were famously asking, what's the what, Hedgey, what's the number on your butt before they went to, I believe, the ALCS? And uh, the, that number is down to zero. It's down to zero. I mean, the vibes for this team, like, I, there, there's no logical reason. In my playoff picks um, at the end of the regular season, right heading into that uh, first playoff game where the team had just come off losing game 162, one nothing. I thought it'd been really poetic if they won this game, one nothing. I'm glad they didn't, yeah. but they gave me just a little bit of insurance runs. So it wasn't totally freaking out in the very end. But I mean, I picked this team to win the World Series because of why not? Because why not this team? There's so many reasons of why, why not? I mean, they're maybe like, but why not? But <laughs> why not? And the answer was, it wasn't not them. It was them. The most confusing way to say it. I'm just on cloud nine. This freaking team, this championship run, this is this is an all-timer. This is going to stay with the entire state of Texas like that magical Dirk Nowitzki championship run in 2011. Sure. This is going to be that for a new generation of fans, a new generation that doesn't have as many battle scars as the old vets like me. Thankfully, they'll hop on this bandwagon. I think this is the start of a brand new, hopefully fantastic era in Texas for the Rangers. And even if it's not, this is the championship run of a lifetime. And for Bruce Bochy, it is not the first time he's done it. We can't get away from a title and not get into some version of legacy talk. This is now four World Series trophies that he gets to hoist. Only two other managers have done it with three different teams. How do you think this changes where we have to start talking about Bochy in terms of the, the, the greatest managers to ever do it? I think he's got to be way up there. And in terms of being beloved to a fan base, like I don't think he's going to be more beloved around baseball because 13 years ago to the day he won the San Francisco Giants, their first title since moving to San Francisco back in what yeah. the 50s or the 60s. And 13 years ago to the day, he, he did that against the Texas Rangers. And 13 years later, he does it for the Texas Rangers. I mean, mm -hmm. an all-time beloved guy. The game had absolutely not passed him by. He was the perfect manager for this team. The ups and downs of a team filled with the most ups and downs that I've ever seen in a baseball team in my entire life. He was the same guy day in, day out. It is such a cliche, but when it's actually true, it is something that's incredible, and it's what makes him so unbelievably successful in the highs and the lows. He's still the same guy. He is still a championship Hall of Fame manager. Heck, don't bypass that five-year waiting period. Put him in tomorrow because this guy is one of the greatest managers to ever live. Stay up to date all year on the Texas Rangers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Rangers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Raiders are starting over. Before we get to why, the Titans have announced their quarterback for tonight's game with the Steelers. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so, so much more. Tonight's matchup on the NFL gridiron. Close on the point spread, FanDuel has the home Steelers favored by two and a half over the Titans. You can also combine bets for a bigger parlay, combine multiple money lines, or create a single game parlay with multiple prop bets. 
Parlays make the sports watching experience that much more fun. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and do the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Tennessee Titans will be without starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill for Thursday's game at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rookie quarterback Will Levis will start his second game in place of Tannehill. Tannehill suffered a right high ankle sprain in Tennessee's Week 6 loss to the Baltimore Ravens in London. He missed last week's game and did not practice on the short week, so the decision became easy for Coach Mike Vrabel. Levis completed 19 of his 29 attempts for 238 yards and four touchdowns in his NFL debut. He led the Titans to a 28-23 win over the Falcons. Coming at Levis on the defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers will be Cam Hayward. Pittsburgh's defensive captain was activated from injured reserve this week and does not carry an injury designation. Hayward has been out since sustaining a groin injury early in the week one loss to the San Francisco 49ers. His return comes seven weeks after having surgery one week ahead of schedule. Hayward will look to shore up an inconsistent rush as Derrick Henry comes to town, the Steelers, giving up an average of 4.6 yards per carry on the ground, which also ranks in the bottom 10 in the league. The Bears fired running back coach David Walker, Coach Matt Eberflus, announced on Wednesday. Walker's dismissal was because of his behavior in the workplace, according to reports. Walker had been previously reprimanded by the Bears' Human Resources Department for workplace misconduct, and a second such instance led to his firing. Walker is the second Bears assistant to exit the team this season. Former defensive coordinator Alan Williams resigned September 20th citing the need to take care of his mental health and family. General Manager Ryan Pohl said Wednesday that he remains confident Eberflus is the right coach for his team, despite a 2-6 and six start and mounting off-field concerns. On the hardwood, the T-Wolves hosted the Nuggets. Resiliency, and that's kind of what we wanted to see. This is the exact response that we needed to see from the Timberwolves coming off of that pathetic loss against Atlanta in their previous game. It would have been really easy for them to come out flat and kind of cave under pressure against the Nuggets, who have been playing incredibly well so far this year, and they didn't. They came out sharp on defense. They were moving the ball on offense. They were taking advantages of mismatches in the post. They were really forcing guys on the Nuggets to defend them at a high level, and they didn't. And then on the other end of the floor, their defense was so, so, so good all night, um, especially in the half court. Uh, but in the fast break, too, they limited Denver to just nine fast break points. That's unheard of for this Timberwolves team. So the, they put up a ton of points. They were pretty effective on offense, but I think they really won this game with their defensive discipline. Here is another story you need to know. The Las Vegas Raiders are cleaning house. General Manager Dave Ziegler out. Head coach Josh McDaniels out. Offensive court. Basically, if you worked for the Raiders yesterday, you probably don't work for the Raiders today. Your boy Q from Locked On Raiders joins me now. He still works for us and is always working diligently to bring us everything on this Raiders team, which right now, Q, is a show befitting Vegas entertainment. How did how did they get to this place at this moment? 
Well, that's a good question, man. And I was wondering, as the losses continued to stack, and especially when it came to embarrassing losses, you know, the Chicago Bears loss was one that I thought was unacceptable. You lose to a Division II quarterback, undrafted free agent. Not that I want to sound like he's not worthy of being in the league. Clearly he is. But you should have an advantage in that game. And to get ran out of Soldier Field, that was embarrassing. Monday Night Football, Lions are a really good team. But for one guy in Jameer Gibbs to have more yards from scrimmage than you have as an offense as as a whole is ridiculous, especially when you have guys like Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, you know, and and many others. It's just it, it just seemed like there was a big disconnect. And I kept wondering how long is Mark Davis going to allow this to go and allow himself and the organization to be embarrassed before he says, OK, enough is enough. I honestly thought there's about a three year window that the that the staff, you know, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler had. But again, with all those embarrassing losses, that kind of changes plans pretty quickly. And so he got a six-year contract to start with. So what is the bigger mistake? To start off with a contract of that size, especially given his track record, or to misjudge everything that's gone on the last two years, some of the big contracts they've handed out, the big trades that they've tried to swing, and not really understanding where this team was. What do you think is the bigger mistake that this organization made? Well, I mean... It's tough, man. I feel like he had to give out that big contract because the Raiders have not been a stable organization as far as head coaches go. Mm. So it's hard to, to get a guy that you feel like could be a top-notch uh, uh, head coach or coordinator or whatever if you don't give him job security. So we knew that John Gruden before that had a 10-year deal. Uh, he was going to be coaching. If those emails had never came out, he'd still be coaching right now. But obviously it did. So, you know, you're going to bring in the next guy. Well, you want someone who you feel like could take that team to the next level. All right, I'm going to get Josh McDaniels because, well, everyone wanted Josh. And I know that it didn't work out in Indy. It clearly didn't work out in Denver. But, okay, he's still a really good offensive play caller. And as you know, teams are always looking for hot shot offensive minds. And so Josh McDaniels has always been considered that. So for him to leave the comfort home of New England and come to the West Coast and come to Vegas and be with the Raiders who have had turnover after turnover, turnover, you've got to have some security. So he gave him the security. So it probably was a mistake. Now that you look back at it a couple of years later, he's still got four years left on his deal. But it's it's the mistake that I feel like had to be made. As far as the the trades and everything that were made and, and you know, the mismanaging of money and giving out deals to guys like Chandler Jones and bringing in guys like Jimmy G and, you know, the list goes on and on. That was Mark Davis allowing the football guys to be the football guys because mm. he said he's not that. He 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 yeah. knows what he knows and he does he knows what he doesn't know. And so I guess there's another mistake on his part by trusting the guys with his organization to lead him in the right direction and they just weren't ready for the job. There is an understanding that general managers tend to have these longer runways, Q, because they have to work on these bigger timelines. Coaches tend to want to win right now, this minute. And so to see Dave Ziegler gone in all of this, I think to me was the most surprising part. I was not surprised that they moved on from Josh McDaniels. Why do you think Ziegler was the one that, that also got wrapped up in all of this? Was it just that Josh McDaniels was his guy? I think because they were a package deal. They came yeah. in together, and so I think that they left together. But I was surprised, too. When I first got the notification, I thought Dave Ziegler would probably be safe just because, again, everything you rolled out about the GM. And every time I talked to him, he sounded like he had that calm, cool, collective voice, and he really had a good idea and a good plan of what he was looking for and what the team was, the direction the team was going moving forward. And clearly, Mark Davis didn't see the the same, you know, the, they didn't share the same ideas. And, you know, I, I guess kudos to Mark Davis because everything that we mentioned a little while ago about all the mismanagement of money and contracts, this, that, and the other, that falls on Dave Ziegler. So I guess that, you know, all the all the issues that McDaniels had, 
the issues that, that Ziggler had it, it are, are just as bad. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to do it, get rid of both. Now Antonio Pierce is the interim head coach. We just talked to him a little while ago. He's pretty fired up and excited for the opportunity. And Champ Kelly, a guy who's been well-respected around the league, is the interim GM, and he's the same. He's fired up and excited. So we'll see what, what goes from here. They've got nine games to prove their worth to see if they can get that interim tag removed. Quickly, uh, give me one name or two names of guys that you think make sense in an organization that now I think has to be honest with itself and say, we have to rebuild this thing. Yeah, I think it's somebody that shares the same kind of, I guess, uh, personality or traits as uh, almost a Rich Basaccia, right? And I'm not going to say that Rich Basaccia is the guy, but the guy that can really lead men. They need a guy that is a, a leader of men. I don't really have a name for you right now. I know there's some big names out there like Harbaugh and this, that, and the other. I get that. But they need someone who can tap into the culture of the team, get those guys to run through a wall, similar to what Dan Campbell's doing in Detroit with the lens. And I'm not saying it has to be a player, but Antonio Pierce is a former player. And I'll tell you, he won the press conference uh, earlier on uh, on Wednesday. So uh, shout out to him. We'll see what he can do. Stay up to date on the Las Vegas Raiders by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Raiders on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, a complicated legend left the world of sports yesterday. Bob Knight is an icon in the game of basketball, but his star burned too bright to be confined to one sport, and so did his complicated legacy. As our Locked On College Basketball hosts, how much the sports world will miss him? Uh, Bob Knight was, was a legend at Indiana, but a legend in the game of college basketball. He passed away at the age of 83 at his home in Bloomington, surrounded by family, um, which is you know, that's all you can really ask for when when you do lose somebody, lose a loved one and somebody who was so cherished. And um, when you look at just what he did for the game of college basketball and for Indiana has over 900 wins in his total career, uh, puts him at sixth all time in wins as a head coach. And he has some very memorable moments on and <laughs> off the floor um, with some national championships, some really low seasons. I mean, we've got chairs flying everywhere. I mean, it it it's a very up and down outlook, I think, on, on Coach Bob Knight because he's so beloved by so many. But there's also a group that, you know, maybe wasn't the biggest fans of him. But I think everybody in a moment like this collectively comes together and realizes, uh, Isaac, that we have lost a legend in the game of college basketball. It's also important to remember that the greatness of someone in a particular field does not erase other bad behavior. It's important to remember why Bob Knight left Indiana and the tirades that made him infamous. The ugly acts of violence that mark his career. It's okay and in fact necessary for us to acknowledge both the incredible accomplishments and the contributions that he made to not just Indiana basketball, but college basketball as a sport, while also acknowledging he was not perfect. To not whitewash the details because they may be unsavory. To lionize someone beyond what is reasonable because we don't like to talk about some of the worst parts of his life. Bob Knight is an all-time great college basketball coach. 
he was also a coach who had controversy and ugly moments. We must acknowledge both. And finally, ever thought about owning just a little part of a professional sports team? Maybe you figured you'd start with a less popular sport. Well, let's see. A minority stake of 10% of the Montreal Canadiens just sold for $2.5 billion. Billion with a B, according to Sportico. The money in pro sports is just, it's just not real. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, will Kenny Pickett bounce back against the Titans on Thursday night football? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.